It is Monday, March 29th, 2001. Time for episode 142 of the Barnhart Podcast. 2001, huh? Did I say 2001? Yes, you did. <laughs> you know what? I'm going with it. You know, we, this this week uh, it symbolizes time travel, as we've said many times. Uh, during, the, during the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, you are present at a time warp. I mean, you've, yes. you've seen in Star Trek and other forms of science fiction the idea of traveling in time. That's exactly what the Mass is. And I've been reading the, um, I, I want to make this an annual thing, but I started reading in the last week, The Dolorous Passion of, of Our Lord by mm-hmm. Anne Catherine Emmerich. And yes. I'm, it's the audiobook I'm, I'm, I'm rereading. But just the, the idea, at one point it reminded me of the story when, um, I forget who it was that, um, uh, that somebody's going to pick on me for this one. But when um, the Frank, darn it, my, I'm blanking on his name now. Um, Clovis, was he the king of the, the Franks? Yes, yes. Yeah, when, when he converted to Christianity and, and the missionaries were telling him about the story of the passion and, and, and death of Christ, um, very ardently and, and full of full of uh, zeal said, oh, that I could have been there with a thousand of my francs to defend him. I mean, it, it's it's a very uh, obvious uh-huh. thing to want to say. Yeah, and yeah. Not, not, but, but at the same time, it was God's will to do this and not just die for us, but to do it in the most... Um, you know, Moses summed it up the best. Um, it, it was an excess of love. And as a human being, if you know about the passion and death of Christ and you're still not moved to um, <laughs> to repentance of your sin and to be converted, I don't I, I don't know what else to say. Is, it's there almost isn't as if your say. soul is is devoid and and willfully purged of all charity. Oh, I think I think we've made a little video about that. Yeah, I mean. It, it is if if you believe that our Lord is real and you know anything about what He went through and and um, by the way I, I've seen a lot of people saying, hey y'all this Friday let we're all going to watch we're all going to watch the Passion and the reason I bring that up is because Gibson who is a very flawed man nobody's arguing that um, Gibson used Emmerich. He used John's gospel and he used Emmerich as his two primary sources. So all if you read, if you've never read Emmerich before, but you've seen The Passion of the Christ, when you read Emmerich, you're going to see all kinds of the little details that were in the um, Gibson's movie that you just thought were, that you like didn't particularly pay attention to, or maybe you saw them and noticed them, but thought, well, you know that's just artistic license and that's just kind of a filler scene to connect one one scene to the next that that Gibson put in there no almost everything in Gibson's movie detail wise is coming out of Emmerich so reading Emmerich is is really really fascinating and it brings um Gibson's film even more to life even even more than it already was you know if you if you know Emmerich then watching Gibson's is um is even more moving. Absolutely. So that's a long way of saying, yes, I made a mistake on the year. It's not 2001, it's 2021. I even had it written down correctly. I just didn't read it correctly. Man, where where were you? Where were you on March 29th, 2001? Um, hmm. Were you in the Navy? No, no, no. I, I had graduated from college. I had already done my 40 days in the desert down in Mark's mm-hmm. neighborhood and moved back to the Midwest. And I was at my first job and I was I was a few months into my first job at that point. So I was trying to make a good impression and um, planning ahead for Easter or I, 
I, I don't remember what, what day Easter was that year, but uh, I was still single, so I had a lot of time on my hands. Uh-huh. That much I, I remember. But I was, I was probably see. studying my brains out, learning everything there was to know about whatever technology it was at the time. I was, what would I have been, 20, 24 and three and a half years into my commodity broker career. Just da- daily grind in Denver. So, yeah. Interesting. Time flies. And it also seems like multiple lifetimes ago simultaneously. It could be, you know, that could all be last week. And it also seems like another person's life. It's it depends on depends on what you're thinking about and the the frame of mind that you're in. Well, obviously, your experiences are a little bit different. Uh, when I think back to uh, the time before I was married, that definitely feels like a different lifetime. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's you know no pun intended. It's just that you're, the focus of your life changes, and and that that is like being born all over again in a sense. Yeah. Um, you're you're no longer just yourself. It's it's now the the corporate identity of you both. And, and the sacramental bond there. Uh, and then but, the kids start coming in your case. <laughs> yeah, that, that happened eventually. But um, no, before that, it, it's had to stop and things like, what was I doing at that point in time? I know it was between my time in the Navy and my time when I got married. So yeah, there, there was plenty of time there to al- alternate between being uh, busy studying and, and starting up side ideas and all kinds of other nonsense and fun stuff. You were not yet super nerd. You were just a junior nerd in training. I had not yet gotten into audio or, or, or video or any of that fun multimedia stuff. I was just a straight up web nerd. You were web into nerd. IT though, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, I, was, yeah. I was a straight up web nerd at that point. Yep. Cool. Back, back before anyone cared about JavaScript, and if you had heard about it, you laughed at the people who thought it was a real language because it wasn't a real language back then. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, here's a, here's a fun question. What browser were you using in 2001? Probably, um, okay, and I got to think about this one. Was it still Mozilla or was it, no, Firefox hadn't, be, had not started yet. So it was probably, uh-huh. it was probably Mozilla. Um, was it Netscape Navigator? I know for a uh-huh. while, uh-huh. I know for a while I was, I was purposely using Netscape Navigator 4.01 because the web rendering engine on that was brutal. If you made one mistake in your HTML, it just would not render the page. At which point you have to figure out, okay, where did I forget the the, the curly uh, brace or the angle bracket or whatever? And then if I was curious and I want to go to cheat mode, then I'd launch Internet Explorer and say, okay, what was this kind of looking like? Oh, there's the error right there, and then go fix it in the code. So in the sense of having something that brutally just says, yes, you did it right, and no, you didn't do it right, and didn't try to fix your, your problems for you, uh-huh. um, that was a great learning tool because I learned HTML by heart. Uh, correctly, uh, according to the, to the specifications at the time. But of course, now browsers help you and figure things out for you. And if you really want to know if you did something wrong, you've got to pull up the inspector and the toolbar and see how many little yellow splats are down there in the right window to look for. But you don't really see that on the page unless you make egregious errors. I don't think this was in our notes to talk about for tonight, though. We never use our notes, no. <laughs> well, we should get back on track. We should get back on track. Oh, we have to announce that we are still not fighting. So. <laughs> Which cracks me up. <laughs> you know what? I just realized another mistake. I think I, not only did I say 2001, but I think I said episode 142. It's 141. So. <laughs> uh, is it? Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, because I'm looking at my notes here. I've. Um, uh, I think you can't suppress a Vanessa is 141. Oh, that's right. I didn't enter it. Okay. So I wrote in my notes, uh, episode 140, Matzacast. I never wrote down 141, um, Vanessa. Yep. 
which by the way she's a crowd favorite oh yes oh yes she has radio voice and i mean and that's the least of her charms and talents um she i mean obviously brilliant brilliant gal and beautifully well-spoken and just yeah everybody's freaking out and saying more vanessa more vanessa and of course there is totally going to be more vanessa because we are getting very very close we've done tests and and we're almost to the point where we're functional um it's probably going to happen i don't know probably probably after easter probably once we all get through um easter and all the liturgies for people who actually can go to liturgy um we're gonna do we're, we're trying to figure out whether we should call it the mcbarnhart group after the mclaughlin group or since there's six of us whether we should call it the barnhart six pack so but oh it's gonna happen and it's gonna be me nurse claire vanessa super nerd Mark Doherty and Dr. Matza. So it's and everybody's gonna everybody's gonna come in with their one topic. We will then spend 15 minutes on each person's topic, and that's gonna give us what's that? That's an hour and a half. So with the intros and the outros, that's a that's a beautiful hour 45 podcast right there. So six that's people gonna be one. I was going to say six people, one topic each, two drink minimum, go. Absolutely. Yep. And, you know, that's what, another reason why we should just wait after Easter, because I think most of us are um, are doing a dry Lent. So um, <laughs> it'll be a lot more fun after Easter. So really looking forward to that. Really looking forward to it. Okay. And I was asking you before we started recording, I, I saw briefly on, on my little feed scanner thing that uh, I think Father Z was the one who wrote this, but today is Fig Monday. And I asked you if you knew anything about that. And you said no. I was like, I, no. I don't know what it is. So um, if there's something to know, look in the show notes. I'll, it'll be a link to Father Z's blog. Um, I think Tuesday's got a, an, an interesting name as well, but it really gets going on Wednesday. That's Spy Wednesday. Spy and Wednesday, why is it yeah. called Spy Wednesday again? Uh, I think it's to do with Judas Iscariot doing uh, pre, pre-arranging his nefariousness. He did that the day before um, the Last Supper. So that's Spy Wednesday. Okay. And um, let's see, was there anything liturgically or Holy Week wise we wanted to talk about? Um, like I said, I've, I've got a few random notes. This is another snack pack edition. Just uh, it's the Ann and Super Nerd aren't fighting um, proof set. So um, I didn't know if you had anything else you wanted to, to mention. Um, uh, go to confession. <laughs> that's that's kind of all the all the big news between my publishing my story of what happened to me years ago in St. Peter's, which that went crazy all over everywhere. Um, Between that and then um, this whole deal of this gay parish, this priest in this super militant gay parish in New Jersey, Archdiocese of Trenton, publicly splatting on the front page of the parish's website, um, no confession unless you've had the death jab no confession unless you've had the death jab and then everybody freaked out people were telephoning you know we all got the word out on this frank 
Frank, um, Frank Walker posted it. Everybody made sure the word got out on this. Some people called um, the parish and actually got this guy on the phone. And he was in, you know, he was all sniffy, sniffy and snippy. And my conscience is clear. And my remark was, I bet his conscience is clear about a lot of things that it shouldn't be clear about. Um, so then today, at some point, the um, homepage of that website got changed. And so now if you've if you've had the death jab, he'll hear your confession in the confessional. But if you haven't had it, he'll hear your confessional face to face in the sanctuary at a, at a safe social distance, which does that mean that you're going to have to shout your your sins at him so that he can hear you? Um, and why, why are lay people in the sanctuary? Why is this being done in the sanctuary? And oh, why is it being done face to face when um, penitents are by, by canon law guaranteed anonymity in the confessional? Um, this is a, this is one of the dumber things I've ever heard because if you're in a situation where there are no confessionals with a grate, and I've had to do this, um, I had to do this uh, within the past, I don't know how long it's been, the, the passage of time is so distorted for me. It's really hard to think about, was that two years ago? Was it three years ago? I don't know, maybe three years ago. Um, well, 2019 was like five years ago, right? Yeah, right, right. And, you know, 2020 didn't even happen, and but it did, and it lasted like two years. I mean, it's, it's, it's so distorted. But it, it, I stopped into a Nova Sordo parish because, you know, I like to pop in, and if there's anybody there to hear confession, I, I like to confess anonymously. Um, and so I pop in, and I didn't realize that this that this parish was manned by the legionaries of Christ. I think if I had known that, I wouldn't have uh, I wouldn't have bothered because that's just that's just an evil Luciferian racketeering cult, and I just don't want anything to do with it. Not that I don't think that they are not validly ordained or anything like that. They are validly ordained. Yeah, that's that's the problem. That's the problem. But I don't want anything to do with the legion. But anyway, I go in. And um, there's something wrong with the confessional. They're like working on it, the door or something like that. And so I, you know, there's the priest and I say, can you hear my confession? And so he tried, first he tries to introduce himself to me. And I'm like, hey, yeah, hmm, you know, let's go. You know, um, I wasn't, I wasn't rude, but again, penitents should have, some modicum of of anonymity and you know introducing yourself is not conducive to that um yeah, so people don't go to confession to meet the priest they go to confession to confess their sins to god well this is this is the entire problem with the novus ordo paradigm vis-a-vis -vis confession is that it is a social experience and it's therapy and um it's it, it's mostly nonsense or get, getting the priest to tell you that your sins aren't sins, or having the priest just volunteer to you that your sins aren't sins. Um, so anyway, we go over and kind of go back by the confessional, and he's got a chair. And so he sits down, he puts on his stole, and he sits down in this chair. I go around behind him and kneel down per perpendicular. So he's sitting in a chair with a back. It has a back on it. I go behind the back of the chair, and if he's facing north, 
I'm facing west. You see what I'm saying? So I'm kneeling perpendicular to him. So I'm basically talking into his right ear from behind him. Okay. This guy's so clueless. He gets up and turns the chair around. And I stand up and walk around behind him again and kneel down behind him again. And uh, he was sharp enough to figure out at that point what I was doing. But I mean, the, these people are so not just malformed, but contraformed. I mean, they're, they're taught things that are just exactly totally backwards and wrong. And so back to this uh, militant gay parish in the Archdiocese of Trenton, New Jersey. So he's now saying he'll, he'll hear people's confession in the sanctuary face to face um, who aren't vaccinated. And people are making the point, like, what, what is wrong with this guy? If you actually think that, you know, fabric, fashion fabric, does anything, which it doesn't, but even if you you suffer under that delusion, don't you think it would be a lot safer to go into the confessional and then use masking tape and tape a thin muslin fabric over the grate? I mean, if you're dumb enough to believe that that's going to, that that is a magic force field that blocks the transmission of all illnesses, um, oh, heck, we could just go whole hog and just put a layer of saran wrap over it. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Just put put a layer of saran wrap. You know, do whatever you want. Why do you want to be face to face with people? Because this guy is a spiteful and I'm, I'm going to say it because you look at this website and you look these people up on the Internet and I've looked up their names. This is a militantly pro-gay parish, militantly. Um, there was a priest there not too long ago who did the whole big coming out thing. Okay. So, um, it's, it's not, it's not unreasonable to assume that this guy, this priest who's doing this is himself a homosexual. We know that the parish is militantly pro sodomy, militantly. So let me get this straight. You don't have any scruples, Father, about people engaging in sodomy and I don't want to get graphic, but, you know, involving the posterior fundament and um, people getting into their mouths, things that are in the posterior fundament. Um, that, that's, all, that's all fine and good. People have, have, God made people and love is love. And, you know, there are people who just, that is the definition of their being is engaging in stuff like that. That's all fine and dandy with you. But hearing confession from people who haven't had a, an experimental um, mRNA injection for a seasonal cold that has a survivability rate that's on the order of 99.998%. Higher than bee stings. Hi, yep, yep. Higher survivability than, than bee stings, um, for which there are at least two drugs that are known to be highly effective against it. Um, if, these, if, if a person hasn't had this Bill Gates government mandated and coerced 
death jab, then they are not eligible for the sacraments in your church. This is why I titled the post in which I made about this, the mask is slipping and the anti-church is fully manifesting itself. It's, it's, you know, the big question for the past eight years has been, okay, we know that we know what Father Linus Clovis said is absolutely true. The church and the anti-church occupy the same liturgical, juridical, and sacramental space for now. The question has, has been all along, when is this thing going to completely rupture and it's going to be completely separated and the Venn diagrams no longer overlap? Well, um, we've, we've got to be we've got to be hurtling towards that at just light speed at this point. Um, this business of telling people that they may not come to mass, that they may not receive the, the, the sacrament of confession that, I mean, this is, this is just, even, even I am slightly taken aback, although yes, this is all completely expected. And this is where all this is eventually going to go. Um, you're not going to be able to go anywhere. You're not going to be able to do anything. And the big thing that's coming now that the Catholic church or what people perceive to be the Catholic church, which is really the anti-church, obviously we know that the anti-church masquerading as the Catholic church is now saying that we will cut people off from the sacraments if they don't get this death injection. How, how long do you think it's going to be before banks are going to say you have to provide proof of vaccination in order to have an account with this bank? But I do all my banking online. It doesn't matter. I do my banking with a bank that has no physical branches. doesn't matter. That's, that's not what it's about. It's about coercion. I, I know where you're going with that, but at the you same see? time, it, yeah. it, there's no logical uh, no, consistency no, to it. Of course, there's no logic. No. And and something else that I was thinking about as you were talking about the, this uh, thing that if you decide you don't want the vaccine, or you decide you want to actually be moral and and logical and not not, not get the not a vax, and you mm-hmm. want to go confess in the sanctuary at a safe distance, um, hold on, Dexter. The sanctuary is where they have microphones. In a lot of cases, they're permanently wired and permanently on. Yeah. Um, how about seal of confession, anyone? I mean, obviously, you've got to kick everyone out of the church at this point, too, and only one person at a time. I mean, obviously, for social distancing. But also, um, that, yeah, it, it, you're not supposed to know when somebody's you know, confessing to a priest. I mean, yeah, if you sit in the back of the church and watch uh, somebody walk into the confessional and take note of who's in line and how long they're in there, you might be able to come up with with a, a, a story that makes sense to you but in terms of actually being able to see somebody speak when when yeah. they're confessing um, there, there's it begins to make me wonder at what point is is it um i mean the seal of confession is almost broken at that point and is a confession even valid if, if it's broken and i have no idea and as i was thinking about that because um I was waiting for an opportunity to talk. I was thinking, what about if somebody's <laughs> on their way to uh, execution and a priest is coming to try to minister to them, but they can't have a proper confession in the normal sense, and the penitent um, essentially waves right to the seal of confession in terms of, of, of it being totally private and just makes his confession in the open in order to receive absolution. Would that work? And I'm, I'm, I have no idea. I'm just kind of speculating and coming up with wild ideas. What if it happens that the the new French Revolution that happens in New Jersey, uh, while you're being uh, sent, you know, dragged to the 
whatever form of death they come up with, uh, you, you make your confession to a priest who signs his own death warrant by stepping forward as beca- by identifying as a priest, and you make your confession in the open because you have no, no chance to do it otherwise, is that valid? I know that the priest can't can, can't require it to be open, and the priest obviously is not allowed to, to uh, break the seal. That's an automatic excommunication reserved to the Holy See. Um, but I don't know about wouldn't you just, at that point, wouldn't you do something like basically make a, an act of perfect contrition to, in the context of, of a confession? I'm sorry for all of my sins of all of my life because I, because they hurt God. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I wouldn't, you know, wanna... you would say that, but I, and I think, I think that he could give you, he could then give you absolution without having to hear, um, um, oh, like a battlefield confession? N- number, number and type. You see what I'm saying? Kind of like a battlefield confession, where you, where it's like general absolution to the whole, you know, mass of troops who 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 want to confess. But you know, we have to be fighting in 30 seconds, so make it quick. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you'd like to say number and kind. You'd like to have that kind of a confession. But if you can't, if they're literally dragging you up to put you on a dace and, and, or a gibbet and hang you or shoot you or whatever it is they're going to do to us, um, you, you basically just shout out perfect contrition. And then the priest can give you absolution at that point. That makes a lot more sense than the way I was thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about something far more dramatic and, and um, less pragmatic. Yeah, that that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I don't think our Lord would would expect you on as you're as you're getting ready to be probably tortured and martyred to like. And, and I mean, hopefully, if you're in that sort of position, you're not in a state of mortal sin either. You know, so if you, I um, I don't even know. I'm trying to think of what would be a menial. Uh, venial sin, a menial venial sin that you could that you could be shouting out. I had too much sushi or something, you know. What I mean, <laughs> there you go. So remember, God isn't a jerk. He's uh, <laughs> to say that he's bending over backwards for us in in every circumstance and in every way. You know, he's rooting for you. He loves you infinitely. So you know, he's not going to. He, he's not going to throw you into hell because you didn't you didn't make a general confession as you were being hauled onto a onto a hangman's gibbet. You know, if he puts a if he puts a priest there close to you, I mean, just getting getting any absolution from the priest. And I suppose and I always thought that if I were in that position, that I would also ask the priest permission to die, too, because that's what the nuns at. Um, although I'm not under I'm not under obedience, but it's kind of a good thing to do to ask permission to die if you can, I think. So I would try to do that, too. That's the problem of being of a head of, head of household or somebody to whom you don't have religious vows of obedience. You can't ask that permission to die, I suppose. I know. Oh, well. It'll be okay. When it, when the time comes, we're all going to do fine. Yeah, we're not going to get out of this the easy way, I don't think. No, no, we sure aren't. Okay, so we, we've talked about confession, and we've talked about um, Holy Week and time travel. But one of the things uh, you, you blogged about or, or reposted is uh, the topic of confession and solicitation. And, and make sure when you go to confession, go to a good priest. Uh, I know we talked about it on a recent podcast, the last one I was on, which it was a month ago almost, that kind of surprised me, but um, that it's been that long. It certainly hasn't been on purpose, and no, Anne and I have not been fighting. But um, <laughs> but the, the the topic of um, 
of uh, finding a good priest. Uh, ironically, go to Planned Parenthood. If you would have been in my local area in the last weekend, uh, there was a large rosary rally that happened at one of the uh, Planned Parenthoods, and that would have been a great time to to, yep. to amble up and say, "Hey, where can I find some serious Catholics?" Like, oh, y'all, y'all are saying the rosary, and you even brought a few of your priests with you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's 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 the kind of crowd you can find at Planned Parenthood. Um, but the whole point is that you want to find a priest who is at least not contra uh, formed, who has a who who is not going to tell you that a what you're describing isn't a sin. But hey, that's good. Go ahead and do it anyway, and, and I'll yeah. let you take over because you had a whole blog post on this. Well, I mean, the sin of solicitation is not it's not soliciting a prostitute, um, although. <laughs> It happens in the confessional that priests hit on um, hit on people. I mean, this is there are so many testimonies of um, especially men and lads who have been um, groomed and abused by gay priests. And it's just shocking how many of them say that it started in the confessional that they were first propositioned in the confessional. Um, The sin of solicitation is when a priest in the context of the sacrament of confession, in the context of confession, tells a person to commit a sin. Um, So all of the priests in the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s and uh, since time immemorial who who told people, explicitly told them to go ahead and contracept that there's nothing wrong with it and Rome is wrong on this and it's all gonna change anyway. Um, Those priests are all guilty of the sin of solicitation and that is grave. All of these militant sodomite priests who are telling people in the confessional that sodomy is fine, it's not a sin, go ahead, Um, you know, homosexual people are different and they cannot, they are not expected to live chastely. Um, this is, that's something that line has been used. Um, I've heard priests say that who were in seminary in the sixties say that when they were in seminary, there was a, there was a clique of sodomites and they would go out to the gay bars and the straight seminarians would say, what the hell are you doing? And the gay seminarians would say, we have needs, we're different. And they, they, that's what they were told. That's what they believed. So all of these priests who were telling people to commit not just sins, but mortal sins. And in terms of sodomy, I mean, one of the four categories of sin that cries out to God for his vengeance, um, these, they're all, they're all excommunicated in it's it's called latte sentier excommunication. They're automatically excommunicated. It, it's Christ has excommunicated them. So every time they say the mass, every time they they receive the Eucharist, obviously if they're saying the mass, they have to receive the Eucharist. Um, every time they do that, it is an act of just the most profound sacrilege when they do this. There are priests, there are bishops who have who entered seminary as sodomites completely unrepentant went all the way through seminary as active unrepentant sodomites were ordained priests lived their entire priesthood and then the ones who were bishops were consecrated bishops the whole time being active unrepentant sodomites there are a lot a lot a lot of priests and especially bishops running around today who have never one time, 
not one time in their entire lives offered the holy sacrifice of the mass while not in a state of unrepentant mortal sin. Every single mass they've said has been a blasphemy and a profound sacrilege. And we wonder why we're in the trouble that we're in. Now, remember, folks, we're not Donatists. Every single one of those masses was was valid, presumably. I mean, om- almost every single one of them was. The, the hoops that, uh, that you have to jump through to invalidate a consecration are just enormous. Why? Because our Lord is an excellent human resources manager, and he knows how people are, and he built the whole thing. He designed the whole paradigm and framework to make it really, really, really difficult for a priest, even one who's a sodomite in a state of unrepentant mortal sin, who's never offered a a mass outside of that state in his life, it's really difficult for him to invalidate. Why is that? Because he could he could say that mass, the chaborium gets put with the consecrated host, gets put in the tabernacle of that church, and then you come walking down the street And you see that Catholic church and you say, you know what, I'm going to stop in and I'm going to say hello to our Lord. And you go in and our Lord is there. He has suffered. He has suffered the insult and the indignity and the humiliation of being of of being called down onto the altar by an unrepentant sodomite into the hands of an unrepentant sodomite. And then has been reposed in the tabernacle because he, he was waiting for you and he knew you would come by and he wanted to be there when you came by because he loved you that much. He will suffer not just, not just his passion and death on the cross. He will continue to suffer these indignities that these filthy, wretched, satanic sodomites have been, have been inflicting upon him for you know, especially for the last hundred years since they've infiltrated his holy church. But he continues to come and he continues to wait for you in the tabernacle. And he's he's not going to cut that off until it, it's until they do something like they eliminate the words of consecration, which stuff like that has been discussed in Germany already. Believe me, the Germans, the Germans are the, the tip of the spear with regards to um, destroying absolutely everything. So if they do something like they they start they stop saying the words of consecration, well then obviously our Lord isn't going to be there. And it is prophesied in the book of Daniel that the holy sacrifice will stop for a period of time before the the consummation of all things. And um, I am absolutely convinced, and I was corresponding with someone, a a priest actually. And for the first time, this priest said in no uncertain terms, we are in the end times. He's never said that before, but I I think it's absolutely true. And I think it's basically undeniable. It's this, this is it now, how long, how long it drags out until, until whatever the big supernatural, um, zenith of it is, the big supernatural peak of it is, I I don't know. Um, And remember, we don't believe in any rapture nonsense or anything like that. It says explicitly in scripture that the good will be killed along with the bad. Um, 
I, I have no expectation of, of dying a natural death in old age. I have no, no expectation of that at all. Um, if it happens, it happens, but you know, I'm, I'm not working off of that assumption at all. So this could be the end times, but that doesn't mean that any of us are going to be around to see, see the big, the big consummation when it happens. But yeah, go to confession, get in a car. Yeah. I still get emails from people saying, well, yeah, there's a TLM parish, but it's an hour and 15 minute drive away. And I'm just like, wow, that is nothing. That's, that's, that's nothing. Let, let me remind everybody very quickly, once again, of the family who lived um, east of Colorado Springs, out there in, in the southeast corner of, of Colorado, which is just flat, flat farm ground. And family down there, they the Novus Ordo Mass was promulgated, and they said, well, we are not doing this. And the closest mass um, in, the, in, the, in the TLM was offered in Rapid City, South Dakota by like an 85-year-old priest who was such a awesome old curmudgeon that the bishop up there just was completely unwilling to fight with him. And so this old priest kept saying the old mass. This family from Rapid City, South Dakota, in starting in 1970, when the Novus Ordo was promulgated, would get into their car, pack the entire family into the car every Saturday morning, drive 10 hours to Rapid City, South Dakota, stay overnight. It, yeah, it was 10 hours one way. Drive 10 hours north to Rapid City, stay overnight with um, other people, other parishioners there, go to Mass on Sunday morning, get back in the car and drive 10 hours back home. These people, and that went on for years and years and years until finally a mass um, started up somewhere in Wyoming. And then, and then the drive was only like five hours, praise the Lord, you know? And that went on for years and years and years until finally there was a mass in Colorado Springs, I think. Um, that's probably, yeah, there's been, a, there's been an old mass on the south side of Colorado Springs for quite a while. Um, these and of course, people, when, it, when the mass moved, when they had a mass in Wyoming and then eventually in Colorado Springs, that totally cut into all their spiritual reading time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they felt like they were <laughs> all that all that time. They just, what what are we doing now? But understand what these people did. These people sacrificed their weekends. They had no weekends, no time to work on the house, sporting events. Um, you know, sun, Sunday family gathering, nothing. These people had no weekends for years. Maybe it, it might've been like 20 years that they had to do that. Um, and, and people are emailing me saying, oh, I, there's, there's a TLM, but it's an hour and 15 minutes away. What is wrong with that? That's a hop and a skip. Good grief. Yeah, if you, mean, need, if you need podcast suggestions or audiobook suggestions to fill up that hour and a half to the point that you wish it was three hours. Yeah. Podcast no at barnhart.biz. Yeah, super super nerd. You're big on, what's it called, audio? Uh, I, I have an Audible account, but I think Audible, I'm, Audible, yeah. That, that's not the, that is by no means the the um, the, the monopoly on good content. Um, the, the Dolorous Passion is maybe one or two 
truly spiritual reading books that I've gotten through that. Most mm-hmm. of what I most of what I get is either entertainment or history. The the book that I paused so that I could I could reread uh, the Dolores Passion. I'm I'm going through Walter Isaacson's uh, auto or biography, I should say, of, of Ben Franklin, which is a fascinating book. But it it's it doesn't it doesn't trump the uh, the Dolores Passion for this time of year. Right. Exactly. I mean, there's there's just no excuse, you know, a buck a, a fifteen. That's nothing. Um, can't afford the gas. Oh, well, do, do you have cable? <laughs> if, if you've got cable, then that just quashes that quashes that entire argument right there. Um, you know, so um, I'm, I really don't think, especially in now when it's it's obvious that we are in we're in the midst of a totalitarian overthrow. In fact, it has already happened. We are in a totalitarian overthrow. Um, we are all living in, in states that have a, a, an absolutely virulent hatred of our Lord and his holy church. And we know, we know that it is just a matter of time before we will, most of us, be cut off from the sacraments, from the mass, and from confession. And and you're complaining about driving an hour and 15 minutes? I'm just, I'm not feeling that at all. I wasn't feeling that three, four years ago. And we've had this conversation before. As we sit here now in Holy Week of 2021, I am really, really not feeling that at all. You you get your you get your white backside in that car or whatever your whatever color your backside happens to be. You get your backside in that car and you drive and you you do whatever it takes to get to mass. And if it, if that means you have to drive three hours each way, I mean, how how many how many people? Just thinking back in my life personally, how many people? would in Kansas would drive more than three hours to tailgate at K-State football games. Oh, there's a, there's an entire stadium. There's a massive, massive football stadium filled with people who have driven hours and hours and hours to go to a football game for a fraudulent NFL farm system. Um, you'll, you'll do that. I was going to say, anybody who's heard of the state of Nebraska has probably heard of their uh, minor league football team as well, the Cornhuskers. And on, on, on game day in Lincoln, that stadium becomes the second or third, I think it's the third largest city in Nebraska. Yeah. And when the, when the Huskers play away, there is a, just a river of land yachts with Nebraska license plates going to wherever the game is, which is why they're always, even when they're not great, they they always get a bowl game because the, the bowl organizers know that uh, there's going to be all kinds of people from Nebraska showing up. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, it's, it's priorities, folks. It really is priorities. And um, the rubber's hitting the road and our Lord's words when I, when I return, will I find any faith on earth? I think we all are kind of seeing what it is that, that he exactly meant by that. You know, there's, by the time this all, this all comes to a head, um, there aren't going to be very many people left. I mean, how many people do you know, besides me, who have yet to this day, never, never, ever once put on a mask? Now, I'm not saying that that means that you're, you know, outside of the church or in a state of mortal sin or anything. 
However, I am very passionate about the fact that that damn thing is a Freemasonic submission muzzle. And if you're aware of that and you're putting that thing on, uh, (laughs) and by the way, that includes basically everyone I know and everyone I'm in contact with and everyone I see. I'm the only, I think I'm the only person. Let me think about this. Yeah. I think I'm probably the only person that I know that has never worn a mask. Is that, I, I think that's an indicator. It's an indicator of, um, you know, the state we're in. And don't think, don't think for a second that, well, Anne must be in some locale where there's just never been any, you know, hardcore COVID anything, and there's never been any mask mandates. <laughs> some of you know where I am. And the rest of you who don't, if I told you right now, you'd have kittens. You'd have kittens. Um, I'm, I've lived in, in the absolute beating heart of the thing. And I have never, ever worn a mask. And I walk everywhere. I don't have a car. I haven't had a car for eight years. So yeah, um, all things are possible through Christ, our Lord, who strengthens us. You know, that ain't, that ain't just whistling Dixie folks. So how are we doing? You got any more topics? Um, I had something on ivermectin. Okay, go ahead. No, I just had the word ivermectin in my notes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know you had a blog post on it earlier today, or was yep. it? Yep. Yeah. I just posted not too long before we started recording. And, you know, it just it just occurred to me. And, you know, obviously the, the massive crime against humanity that this all is and um, the, the fear and terror that so many of us have that the death jab is in fact going to end up killing a hell of a lot of people. Um, just putting that to all of that to the side for a second, I just started thinking about the fact that, you know, ivermectin is this completely safe, benign antiviral drug that just totally knocks down um, viral infections, colds, flus, what have you. Um, And this stuff has been around for, I think, 40 years, maybe even longer than that. It's been off patent for decades. It's one of the most heavily dosed drugs in the world. I think it's it's been dosed formally like three and a half billion times to humans, mostly in Africa and um, the third world where it's it's dispensed primarily not as an antiviral, but it's dispensed as an antiparasitic. Yeah, and I know in India you can buy what they call a party pack, and I don't, I don't know if that's just the name that uh, the Americans in question on this podcast I was listening to refer to it as, but it's these little blister packs where it's got uh, ivermectin, zinc, and I think some two or three other things. It's just common over-the-counter stuff, yeah. except for the ivermectin. You can't get that in the United States. But it is the absolute ideal knockout COVID or coronavirus kind of thing. It's yeah. also ideal for waterborne illnesses and parasites and things like that, yeah. like you would have in India. But yeah. it, it's you just buy them by, it's like it's $2 for, for a, a dozen of them, yeah. a dozen packs of these things. Yeah, it's pennies. It's pennies. Um, 
And it's over, it's all over the counter in Africa because it's, you have to have it because the big, the big thing in Africa is it's against flies. Remember when we were little and you know, the Sally Struthers feed the children begging, you know, infomercials on TV and they would show the little black kids in like Ethiopia or wherever with their big distended bellies and they'd have, and they'd be covered in flies. There'd be flies on their eyes and crawling around on their eyeballs. Okay, ivermectin is an antiparasitic that knocks all of that fly nonsense out, and it, it knocks out worms. And a lot of times, when you see a uh, a person or especially a child with a great big distended belly, it isn't just starvation. It also probably means that they have worms—a really nasty case of worms. Ivermectin is just dream drug for all of this. The reason I know about ivermectin is obviously because of the cattle industry. I mean, the, this stuff is just ubiquitous. And so I have, I still am in contact with lots and lots of my cattle people and, you know, talking to bovine veterinarians, several bovine veterinarians. And they're like, we take that, we take it. We take the injectable form. You take about one and a quarter cc's and you just drink it. You don't inject it. You just drink it. Why, why is it the injectable form for cattle? Well, good, good luck getting a bovine um, to, to drink exactly six cc's, please, of this drug here. It's, the only reason that it's injectable for livestock is because you can't look at a bovine and say, would you please drink this? You know, you can bring a cow to ivermectin. You can bring it. You can bring, Oh, there's the, there's the title. You can bring a cow to ivermectin, but you can't make it drink. There you go. Oh, the podcast names itself every time, every time. So that's why you inject it into cattle because you put them into the chute, you put them in the squeeze chute, and then you can dose it precisely and then give them ex the exact dosage per their weight that they need so that you aren't wasting enormous quantities of it and so on and so forth. You can give them exactly the correct dose. You do that by injecting it into them. We are slightly more sophisticated than bovines. And so I can, you know, pour myself a shot of whatever, you know, fermented mash beverage from Kentucky of my choosing or whatever, or juice or anything else. And you put your dose in there and wolf it, you know, easy, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Actually, based on, based on your advice on, on mixing it with, with um, some kind of fermented beverage or something like that to uh, kill the taste. I, I did it just in straight water when I, when I took my dose and I was expecting, it wasn't bad, was it? I didn't taste it. Really? That's, the, that's the thing is like, did I get a, a, a dud dose here <laughs> yeah, or is right. Anne just like hypersensitive about the taste? I actually, I tasted it straight. Um, when I was, um, one time I was withdrawing some out of the, out of the bottle into the syringe and like a drop kind of came up out onto the rubber gasket thing. And I said, Oh, there's a drop of it there. I'm going to lick that and just see what it tasted like. And you know, it wasn't, it was not the worst thing I've ever tasted in my life. It was, you know, it was medicine-y, but, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't awful, 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 put it that way. But still, it's a, it's a nice excuse to make a, make a little special cocktail for yourself. True. But the, the point I wanted to make is, is anybody listening to this thinking, oh, this stuff is like horrible. The minute you taste it, you're going on a Ralph. It's like, no, it's no, actually no, 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 not no. that bad at all. No, 
I was I was shocked and beginning to question myself that did I get a real dose here because I didn't have the whole you know weird was it did you say it was a base type flavor or yeah. not non acidic type type flavor I was expecting something is like I didn't taste anything what happened <laughs> yeah no don't worry guys it's not it's not barfalicious or anything you're not going to gag it's nothing like that although Mark um, Mark likes the apple f- the flavor ma- well Mark does the horse paste non non Vinny Mark does the horse paste and he reports that the green apple and I've heard this from several people that the green apple is the best tasting of the horse paste so there's your information but my post was about the fact that okay here's the, here's this drug it's an antiviral and it totally works and everybody knows that it's safe and it's it's completely benign why in the hell has this drug not been available for us in the first world to knock down colds and flu? There is a drug that could have probably either prevented or very quickly knocked down almost every illness I have had in my adult life. Because I mean, think about it, for most, most healthy adult people, when you get quote unquote sick, what is it? It's either food poisoning, and that's you know, that's different. That has nothing to do with this conversation or you get a cold or you get the, or you get the flu. That's, that's what puts most of us when we're down and we're in bed and we have a fever or whatever, and we can't go to where we call in sick to work and we we're losing, we're losing work hours and all this stuff. What is it that we in the first world have? We either have a cold or we have the flu. We've got a virus of some sort. These SOBs, have had this drug for decades and they knew they knew it would be effective against cold and flus and they held it off the market and they didn't breathe a word about it why so that they could sell their their bs placebos and and questionable um you know um symptom reduction treatments but not anything to actually cure you of the viral infection. Oh no, let, let that drag on for as long as possible, but let's sell you over the counter, you know, decongestants, um, cough suppressants, fever reducers, da, 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 and, and placebos and placebos. Let's be honest. Let's at a massive, massive markup. I mean, they're, they're making money hand over fist on all that stuff. Plus it also fed into their, absolute nonsense now in retrospect, flu vaccines. I mean, as if those actually did anybody any good at all. Now, looking back at all of that in retrospect, that stuff changes so fast. If you're getting a flu quote unquote vaccine, even if it is a legit vaccine, even if it is either a killed virus or a modified live, flu mutates so rapidly, exactly like colds, mutate so rapidly, they can't be ahead of that. You're, if you're getting a, a, a flu vaccine, you're getting a vaccine for probably what was the flu two years ago, not even one year ago, but two years ago. I mean, you're constantly behind the eight ball. So that's all been a joke. Probably, probably in addition to the profit, the wild amounts of money that these pharmaceutical companies have made on those vaccines, it was also, we now realize, conditioning. We were being conditioned to the notion that your immune system is not sufficient and there's there's absolutely no other alternative. All you can do is go get a vaccine every year. 
And oh, lo and behold, now, and that's why Bill Gates and the and Soros and the rest of these oligarchs who have taken over the world, this plan of theirs revolved around this entire notion that all we have to do is rebrand influenza and cold viruses, just rebrand it, put all of it under a new name, a new category, which they have done. The CDC has come out and explicitly stated that all pneumonias, influenzas, and colds will be recorded as exactly the same category. That is why you look at the statistics and the, according to the statistics, influenza was completely globally eradicated in April of 2020. Now, if you, if you believe that, if you believe that, I, I, just, I just don't even know what to say. And there's a, there's a hell of a lot of people that believe that. And I was, um, I was talking to someone about this. And the only explanation how, how it is that there are people who, who actually believe that influenza was completely eradicated in April of 2020 is that this is a manifestation of people who are living in a state of mortal sin, having their intellects just completely darkened. You can put evidence right in front of them and they will not, they can't think, they can't process Okay, I'll, I'll take it a step further. I'll show you the webpage of the CDC that explicitly states we have changed reporting and now we're going to call it PIC, P-I-C, as in pick your nose. P for pneumonia, I for influenza, C for colds. All of those are characterized as exactly the same thing. And guess what that's called? COVID. I mean, this is, it's, it's so glaringly obvious. I, I don't even there, I can't even describe how obvious it is. It's there. It's literally publicly posted that this is what they've done. And yet the people who buy into all of this hook, line and sinker will yell at people like us saying, you don't believe in science. Yeah, exactly. Of course, these are, uh, these are the same people who can't define what a woman is either, but whatever. Right. And, and we are conspiracy theorists. No conspiracy fact. I mean, uh, you're you're a you're a denier of objective reality, and you're a collaborator with a totalitarian Luciferian global putsch. I mean, uh, you can you can call me a conspiracy theorist all day long. I don't care. I, I can I can show you. I can pull up the website and show this to you. I like the and, term conspiracy therapist. Yes, it's all real and I'll help you deal with it. And I'll help you deal with it. Oh, good one. <laughs> oh, that could also be a show title too. Hmm. My goodness. So that's my rant. They've, they've held a drug off the market that could have spared all of us, basically all of the colds and flus that we've had for all of our adult lives. That's how evil they are. Just in order to make money. Which, um, which obviously says nothing about hydroxychloroquine or um, just boosting your immune system with, with natural supplements like vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, yeah. uh, which also doesn't say anything about Tamiflu, which is also a, tr a fantastic antiviral if you have influenza A or B. 
Um, that's also off of, I don't, know, I don't know if it's off patent yet, but there are generics available for that, but nobody advertises it. If you have, if you can get a hold of Tamiflu, it's always good to have on stock right alongside your, uh, a Z pack. If you, if you've got it, um, just in case you do catch something that is legitimately, um, dangerous to you, not, not a, a cold on, on drag, like they called COVID, but, um, all, all this common sense stuff that should be available over the counter or with a, a brief consultation with the pharmacist. Don't even have to talk to somebody with a, with an MD for this. But then again, this is just yet another you know set of the proof that we're not talking about science anymore. We're talking about a religion. No, it's a religion. It's a religion. And the, and, and, and the holy cures are, re, are reserved away from you. Yeah. And they, and they are, um, they are sacraments. They can sit, they are satanic Luciferian sacraments. The death jab is, is the Freemasonic baptism, basically. Some, some will argue it's baptism. Some will argue it's confirmation. Um, you know, you could, you could, you could argue both, but these things are sacraments and they consider them as such and heretics will be burned. And, uh, that's what's coming. We're going to be we're going to be hunted down. We're going to be hunted down as murderers. Um, we're going to be accused of being murderers um, because we're we're asymptomatically spreading um, a a common seasonal cold, presumably. So there you go. There's our there's our happy little holy week. <laughs> well, no, I actually talking about happy. I do want to wrap up with something a little bit happy and I'll put the, the link for this one in the show notes. I've mentioned before the website, St. Luke's gallery. Uh, this is a listener of the Barnhart podcast who started this and it, it's um, he, he assembles uh, sacred art and, and does uh, little YouTube videos going over, you know, basically if you want to learn more about sacred art and, and, um, I shouldn't say art in general. If you, if you want to learn more about sacred art, go to stlukesgallery.com. And he just uh, posted this morning uh, Meditations for Holy Week. And it's artwork depicting the passion of our Lord. And I've watched it one time so far. I'm going to watch it at least one time more, maybe twice more. I'll, I'll, I might watch it with uh, Supermom. And and highly recommended. Highly recommended. And check out his previous work as well. He, this is episode six. So uh, there, there are five other videos to take a look at. And uh, he emailed me actually during the show and said, hey, by the way, I, I released another video. Sorry, I've been so busy and haven't, haven't been able to get other things out. I was like, dude, I, I, I understand. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but but uh, no, this this is definitely something. I mean, if you if you appreciate good art and, you know, one of the reflections of, of, of godliness is, is truth, beauty and goodness. And this is definitely you know, at least two out of three, probably all three if it's good art. But I'll I'll put a, a link in the show notes for that. So you don't I don't want you to think we're going out on a totally downer note. Um, there there's some there's some good stuff out there. Absolutely, gonna have excellent show notes on this one. And just as a as a Holy Week Triduum Easter wrap up, because we're probably not gonna have, we're not gonna have another podcast before Easter, obviously. Um, I have full ceremonies where I am. And so like last year, I mean, it's, it's less severe this year. Last year, it was all behind, it was behind closed doors for the Triduum. Um, but this year it's, it, it appears that everything is going to be open and public with full ceremonies. So for those of you who can't, who aren't going to be able to go either for the first time this year or now for the second time, um, Please, please be assured that I'm taking all of you with me. I know that's that's 
not very much consolation, but I'm very, very conscious of the fact of that there that there are so many people who cannot go and want to go and want to be with our Lord. And I'm taking you there with me and I'm remembering you to our Lord and um, trying to be there for you as a proxy. So if that's one thing that I can do for you, then that's, I'm, I'm going to try to do it. So. And obviously if you can't make it, this is not a replacement for going if you have the option to do it, but if you cannot make it um, Latin mass.live, there are a lot of live feeds. I uh, just added a new one. It's the SSPX seminary in the United States, and they've got multiple camera feeds. So it, it's it's not in their big chapel yet. I don't think they've finished it yet, but uh, I, there are multiple Institute of Christ the King live streams. Um, I, when I checked yesterday, this, the, the list of everything that was just in the next 24 hours just kept scrolling and scroll, which, which means YouTube's probably going to change something and break the whole algorithm in the middle of Holy Week. Just watch them do that. But yeah, uh, that's, that's another resource to, to look at. And I'll write that down to, to add in as well. And father Z is back to posting his, his daily mass. So yeah, I, I, it's not, it's not the same thing and it's not a sufficient uh, substitution, and it's not something that anyone should get used to or accept. Um, you know, this should not be accepted as adequate. It is not. But um, if you I have, understand. if if you have no other option, it it is an option, and uh, at least dress up as 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 well as people used to for opening day at the Brooklyn Dodgers. I mean, yes. it, it, it's don't 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 watch mass sitting on your couch in your jammies. No um, Get church clothes on i mean that are this this whole thing of being a human it, it's it's part body and part soul and just because the spirit is willing if the flesh is weak it's going to and you don't mortify it it's not going to uh earn for you the graces you could get get dressed up as though you were really going to go assume the proper postures for mass standings uh, kneeling sitting and pay attention follow along with your missile if you have it and if you don't have a missile yeah. what's the website again latinmass.live no 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 that's that's for oh, watching no, it divinium officium divinium right. officium yeah 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 so show notes show notes yep, yep, yep. <laughs> that's that's that was the and pause then, i was i was writing it down i mean i i know the the link i just want to make sure that i i wrote down a a memory jogger here so that i don't forget that in the show notes and Divinium Officium has the full office too. So don't forget there's Tenebrae Wednesday night, Thursday night, and Friday night. And for me, the highlight of my liturgical year is Tenebrae. Um, so if you can do Tenebrae, absolutely do that too. And I guarantee at least the uh, Institute out of Chicago, they're going to be doing all of the, all of these offices. Um, actually, I shouldn't say guarantee. They didn't contact me with a, an advanced schedule, but they probably will. And if they don't, somebody will be doing all of this. Um, uh, to stream live. So if you've never seen Tenebrae, you've never seen all that. I can't guarantee it's going to be super cinematic quality, but hey, that's you wouldn't have that sitting in the well, pew either. You know, so. you're sitting in the dark anyway. So, you know, <laughs> if it's not in HD, that's all right. <laughs> okay, I think that's the uh, that's all I've got. Uh, unless you have anything else, I'll go, I'll roll into the wrap up. All right. The email address for the podcast where you can send feedback, comments, suggestions, or good news items for wrapping up the podcast. That email address is podcast at barnhart.biz. Anne expresses her profound gratitude to all of her benefactors and at least one mass is offered every single day for all of the benefactors. Plus, once a week, there's a traditional Catholic Requiem Mass offered for everybody who died in the previous week. I am running out of ways, but I uh, hope to come up with other ways to say that we need to pray for these priests. Um 
you think we're going to be targeted toward end times? The priests are going to get knocked out first. I mean, how do you think it's going to be accomplished that the mass is going to cease for a while? It's not because they're they're picking off pew dwellers. It's because they're taking off priests. So pray for the priests. It's going to be the trial for them is going to be way worse than for us. Of course, their judgment is going to be worse, too. That's another reason to pray for them, too. Uh, the Barnhart Podcast is a production of Super Nerd Media. If you found something of value in this or previous episodes, including the ones I wasn't in, and would like to return some value, please visit supernerdmedia.com to learn more about that. And I'd like to recognize a few donors since the last time I was on the podcast, which has been almost a month. Uh, so we have a little bit longer of a, a list than usual. Um, Did Rick James donate again? No, and, and just as I was about to start, I was going to say nobody don- donated via the Postal Service, but that's not right because there's one sitting right on my, on my computer, <laughs> Stephen. Um, so, sorry, I, I, I didn't miss you. I just I had, had not updated that note. I know I updated all the PayPal lists because I was doing that right before we started, um, and that one has, is growing a little bit. Thank you also to the folks who, who have set up a recurring donation. Um, that, that definitely makes it easier to plan for things going forward. But uh, the list is, and hopefully I, I have this complete, and I apologize if it's not, uh, Sally, Susan, Susan, two different Susans. I'm not repeating or stuttering here. Nurse Claire. Susan, comma, Susan. Susan, comma, Susan, comma, Nurse Claire. Ralph, uh, Digital Masters is the name who came through on one. Um, there's, you can set your name on PayPal to be like a, a, an LLC name or something. And that becomes more interesting here in a second. Um, comma, Michael. Jeffrey, Laura, Marilyn, and one that came through with the name Bishop Sheen. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's really uh, Bishop Fulton Sheen, no, even no. though that was the the email address was pretty much that. I'm not going to say the last part of it, but uh, it's somebody who's clearly a fan of Bishop uh, Fulton Sheen sent in a donation. Thank you very much. And uh, it, it, like I said, it, it keeps all the all the things going here. Um, I think I've got a couple of domains to renew here with regard to this whole operation in the next few days. And then I think later this summer, uh, the, the podcast hosting provider we use, that's up for renewal. So that's what this all pays for, as well as any of the hardware for replacing or uh, every once in a while, uh, uh, there, there's some hardware that gets donated to priests. So if you follow uh, Father Isaac uh, and, and, and his his uh, website, Soldiers of the Immaculate, um, my role on that one's quite small and ancillary but i i do send some uh some uh, support to that so that's oh, where nice. that's where some where, where these donations go that's what keeps going it's not just ansite it's primarily ansite um but it also uh helps out some other worthy causes as well and i'll let you wrap up with matthew seventeen twenty. matthew seventeen twenty. keep praying guys keep praying praying and fasting um we haven't seen anything day. yet huh we ain't seen nothing yet we ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah. Perseverance, kids. Perseverance. Um, fast twice a week if you can. Um, pray every day for our fourfold intention that Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as an anti-pope and the whole thing be nullified. That Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living vicar of Christ since April 2005 that Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time, and someday achieve the beatific vision, and that likewise Pope Benedict Ratzinger repent of anything he might need to repent of, as we all do, um, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time, and someday achieve the beatific vision. Nothing less will do. 
Our Lady, Undoer of Knots, pray for us. Everybody have a super holy Triduum and a very happy and holy Easter. And until next time, I am Super Nerd. And I'm Anne. Thanks, guys. God bless. God bless.